0: IVM Here's your smart fact of the day In 1968, Ivan Sutherland and his student Bob Sproul created the first VRAR head-mounted display sword of Democulus that was connected to a computer and not a camera A very large and scary looking contraption too heavy for the user to use and comfortably wear and was suspended from the ceiling, therefore the name. From there, consumer virtual reality headsets have really moved, yeah? I mean, they're now released by video game companies starting from the early to mid-1990s. In 2010 onwards, there were some commercially tethered headsets that were released by Oculus Rift, HTC Vive and Sony PlayStation VR, you know? And now, we are at a stage where Mark Zuckerberg, has talked about the Metaverse. Hey there, welcome to Smarter with Sid. And while we will talk about the Metaverse in some other future episode, today's episode is going to focus on one specific application of Oculus Rift or a mixed reality thing called the Horizon Workrooms. So my question to all of us is, will life change with the Horizon Workrooms? Right? Now, we are looking at a very, very fundamental shift over here. We are looking at a shift from Zoom to this sort of work experience. Horizon WorkRooms, let's understand what it does. Essentially, you put on a VR headset and you get into a room which has a sense of continuity. So the whiteboard that you saw that you had marked, you know, in this virtual space, um, that you had marked with some squibbles, uh, you can still see it. Uh, People can join in by Zoom calls over there so you can see videos displaying stuff. You can actually meet people's avatars over there, have conversations, make hand movements and actually do some, you know, gestures and write down notes and and the rest of it right there. Now, this mixed reality thing, because it's not just VR, right? Not just virtual reality. It's also, um, you know, augmented reality and very interesting. It's called mixed reality, by the way, guys. So... It has now been released and people are pretty excited about it. Well, at least on social media, they are. Now, will it really change? Is the next question that we have in mind. Will what change, you ask? Well, will work change? Now, very interestingly, I don't know if this had been released during normal times, you know, before pandemic times, that it would have worked as much as I think it would work post pandemic. So, During normal times, we used to have a certain uh, set of behaviors, right? We used to go down to offices and we used to work in, you know, workstations, etc. We used to do business traveling, so many things. And we were used to certain patterns of of work life. Now, with Zoom, post-pandemic or during pandemic, you may call it, we've certainly changed our behavior set, And because this behavior change has happened because of the pandemic, I actually think that Horizon workrooms have a really good chance of success. So entering into a virtual reality sort of space with these workrooms paradoxically is going to give us a more real experience. And I think that's going to be fundamentally important for us. Let me explain. So because of the Zoom thing, we have fatigue. We have fatigue looking at electronic screens. We have fatigue just experiencing meeting after meeting continuously, uh, you know, on, on that flat screen. And we are missing out on real life. We are missing out on all the stuff that, that intangible stuff that real life meeting and interactions with people actually mean uh, to us. And... Funnily enough, virtual reality is going to give us a more real experience than reality itself, because virtual reality is going to help us meet people in, uh, you know, in a sort of a real, more real situation, wherein we are going to have, you know, conversations and and the rest of it. It is going to be a really really interesting time for the first Horizon Workrooms to, you know, start functioning. Of course, you know, of course we need to look at. The first order effects and the second order effects. Now, what do I mean by first order effects of a change like this? That means what will change immediately, what can be immediately obvious, right? And one of the things that will be immediately obvious is behavioral changes. How will we behave in a virtual workspace? How will we? Of course, the initial clumsiness is going to be weird, right? We'll be weird. We won't know how to use the device, etc., etc., etc. But I'm sure that given the way in which we have made technology more and more intuitive, making an intuitive virtual workspace is going to be, you know, pretty much par for all of us. If we look at behavioral changes, then after we lose the initial clumsiness, it is going to, uh, you know, is it going to be more polite, for instance? Is it going to be more structured? Is it going to be more fluid? Is uh, Are new gestures going to come up? Are we going to start reading new behavioral patterns in the workplace just because it is in the virtual uh, reality space? That is what I call first-order effects. Now, second-order effects, that is where we are going to find a lot of fun predicting how things will change. I think there are two things that are going to happen. One thing certainly threatens the entire travel industry, especially airlines and especially, you know, all those places like hotels and business hotels. Basically, business travel is going to be threatened if you're able to um, successfully replicate getting into virtual reality and having meetings from colleagues in Denver and all of that. See, we are already used to doing this on Zoom screens. So that barrier is gone, that barrier that would have been pre-pandemic. But suddenly, you are in a situation wherein you are actually having a better experience with virtual reality. So second-order changes certainly will be there with business travel. I think one positive thing that will be experienced is the carbon footprint will be reduced, hopefully, because of reduced business travel. Well, maybe I'm just being optimistic. Who knows? But these are the sort of second-order changes that we can perhaps envisage. Now, when I'm in a virtual workroom, right, and I'm meeting with my colleagues and all of us are communicating with each other and and the rest of it, how successful is it going to be? Is it going to just stay to early adopters and innovators, just going to stay with leadership, senior leadership who can afford it? Or is it going to be widespread? I think application is the key for acceptance. If we find a low-cost, high-usage version of virtual reality in you know, Horizon or any other player that comes into um, the thing, I think that will be the best possible way in which acceptance can happen if I, it can be commonly applied and commonly used. Unless and until virtual reality, I mean, Oculus Rift was kind of, um, you know, released in 2012, if I'm not mistaken fully. But it's been there. I mean, the technology has been there and the technology has to be good Let's all agree to that. But unless and until we find a commercial application of said technology, it is never going to fly. If we look at technology itself, yes, the technology has to be as less clumsy as possible. And it has to lend an experience that is truly beneficial for mankind. Application, but, however, remains the key for acceptance over here. An acceptance of a new product or even a new category. What will be the key factors for something to get accepted? Something like this to get accepted? The first thing is, I believe the strongest thing that people will experience is a continued sense of reality. Let me explain this. So when I go to my workplace in the physical world and I enter my office, there are telltale signs that are familiar to me that tell me I'm in a familiar space, okay? The office is like this. Yes, yesterday's scribbles were like this. You know, that's where the dustbin is. That's where the water cooler is and and the rest of it. This continuity is something which is completely missing over Zoom calls and the way in which we are conducting digital meetings right now. I believe virtual reality will help us have a different kind of continuity which will be closer to reality. You know, the fact is that uh, people will start embracing this because of this continuity factor because we like certainty. We like, you know, uh, this uh, certainty that brings us so-called closer to reality. Let me take the 3D example. I don't know if you've seen a 3D movie uh, of late, of course, in a theater, very difficult to do. But have you seen uh, how a 3D movie looks without the 3D glasses? Now, that's the kind of experience that people will have once they take their virtual reality headset off and still attend the same meetings over Zoom or uh, some, some other uh, application. Sure, you can see things, but it's all kind of blurry and it won't feel the same. So my prediction is that once somebody is used to virtual reality uh, headsets, if they are not very cumbersome, they will find it very difficult to move back. You know, moving from color to black and white TV, another example. And I think this is going to find its way into the mainstream very, very quickly. But again, application is the key. What I hope to really understand, and like anybody else, if I start working uh, in a virtual workspace, is the cues that I will take from the meta language that we seem to be missing on something like Zoom. So whenever we are talking on Zoom, sure, we can understand some cues, of body language and tone and manner and stuff like that, but there is something difference in a in-person meeting that Zoom cannot replicate, and that is the overall body language. You know, even how much a person is sweating when that person is meeting you, how a person's uh, you know forehead is glistening, or how uh, the person takes off the glasses and and wipes them, and and so many different how whether people are fiddling with their feet. Uh, that is meta-language. And that meta-language is something that we will be able to capture, I believe, in virtual reality in some way or the other. We'll get our cues from there. And that is what perhaps will make the biggest difference. Well, I hope you like this uh, you know, episode of mine, with Smarter with Sid. I thought that this is a very, very exciting development. So that's something that is going to impact all of us in some way or the other. And uh, I thought that it will make us certainly smarter to know a little bit more about it and perhaps go to first principles and find out more stuff about this. I always feel that we should be looking at taking our learning to the next level. In fact, one of the things that I'm going to do uh, soon is to launch uh, a series of videos which uh, you can subscribe to and uh, something that you can actually connect and learn from. Uh, I'm going to call them next level learning and maybe my first course will be on branding or something. Uh, where where I think management professionals like us can share, you know, learning stuff and also building a community around it. So if uh, I'm, I will be making an official release of it soon, but this was just a precursor to the the thinking behind the, the whole uh, situation over here. I hope you're 1% smarter today, if not more. I certainly am after I've learned more about um, you know this entire exciting space and if you like what you've heard well you can follow me as the traveling professor on LinkedIn or Instagram and if you like what you've heard well there are many more podcasts like these on IVM. just download the app until next time then